Hey, welcome to the weekly Bible reading where Summer, Sherry, and Elizabeth and a variety of guests come together and talk about God's Word. We are each in different seasons of life, but we have this one thing in common, the love of God and the desire to better understand His Word. We're glad you're here and we hope you gain from our conversations as we discuss specific books from the Bible each week. Thanks for listening. Okay, so we are getting very close to the end of Numbers, and this section is going to be covering chapters 30 through 32, and then uh, next time we get together, Lord willing, we'll be going through the end of Numbers and be wrapping up uh, the whole book. Um, Before we dive in, um, I wanted to go ahead and get sort of some bearings of 30 through 32, just some themes that we may have um, picked up on, observations we made, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. from this section as a whole. And I'll start us off by just saying, um, to me, I mean, chapter 30 in particular, but also in the following couple of chapters as well, it, it, it's, to me, uh, there is a theme continuing on about the vows and the importance of keeping your word, of um, how binding that is and the importance just culturally of when you say you're going to do a thing, you do a thing. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's that was the main theme that stood out to me in this section in particular, um, and, and not only just contextually here, but also just practically of how just as a society, I feel like that is very lost on us um, and just wanting to be mindful myself of making sure of, of impressing that upon me and my, my kids, my family, and that kind of thing. So, um, Elizabeth, any things you saw as a whole or themes from this section? Yeah, so the themes that I kind of picked up are very related to the importance of vows, which is in the 31 God says Moses that like after this stuff happened, you'll be gathered to your people. So Moses knows it's crunch time, and like these are the last few things he's going to do with the Israelites, last things he's going to say. And so what things are most important? So the vows are huge, um, setting a precedent for how they're going to deal with the nations around them is important, and then especially their just general relationship with God. He wants to get that straightened out before he passes the torch to Joshua, and I, Eliezer's already kind of stepped up as priest. Okay. All right, Sherry, what about you from this section? Um, well, particularly, um, I just thought of this, but you know, as it relates to chapter 32, um, kind, of, um, kind of goes along this same theme of keeping your vows, because when the Transjordan, excuse me, Transjordanic tribes... Um, come to Moses with their with their idea. Um, the main thing that Moses is focusing on is okay. If you do what you said, then great. If you don't, then here's what happens. Um, so it's again it's again this mentioning of the same theme about vows. Like okay, you're saying you're going to do this, right? So you better do it, right? <clears throat> um, and Joe. Um, I know you got a chance to read through overall. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you or were you focusing more section by section in your readings? Um, I would just have to concur that there's a lot of emphasis on fulfilling your vows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And um, and I I do think as we walk through each chapter, um, there's there's different parts of that that are going to be pulled out or or I guess I should say spotlighted or highlighted. Um, that in it's all it's a different scenarios playing out, but the the theme never changes. That it is always be careful that when you say a thing, you carry it through. Um, even if it's to your own hurt, you know, we see that theme in other places in scripture. So, um, so with that kind of groundwork laid, let's go ahead and jump into chapter 30 and we'll go through this narrative first, um, and then pull out lessons that, that we've seen here, connections that we made. So as we start off in chapter 30, Moses is telling the leaders, um, what God has commanded concerning specifically, as we already talked about, making a vow to the Lord. Um, And in the end of verse 2, he says, but uh, let's see, I'm sorry, he must not break his word, but must do whatever he has promised. And then verse 3, we get into the specifics uh, of what that looks like and gives examples of a young woman still living in her house, if she, or in her father's house, if she makes a vow and he says nothing, well, the vow stays. If he speaks up against it, then it's overruled. Um, and again, Sherry, I think you were the one who had brought out in um, previous chapters how um, protective this is uh, for women um, during this time, that they have someone watching over them to say, okay, is this going to be helpful to you? Is this going to harm you? And kind of a a guard, so to speak, against um, rash vows for women and to be careful, you know, about that. Um, Verse 6, we transition to she's out of the house. Now she marries. It's the same principle, which I thought was very interesting, too, is, um, you know, once you're not under your father and you leave and you're married, well, now you're under your husband. So if she... um, impulsively, my translation says, uh, pledges herself, her husband says nothing about it, well, then she has to stand by it. But if he speaks against it, then she's released from it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then in the next section, uh, verses 9 through 12, uh, we look at the woman who does not have that kind of headship. You've got a widow or a divorced woman. And then it says that, you know, she's going to make her vow and she is under obligation for everything that she says. Um, But uh, let's see, I I did have a question in this section and we'll kind of come back to that um, as we walk through our, you know, uh, observations from, from this chapter as a whole. But skipping down for a moment now to verse 13 and on, um, if a vow or sworn obligation that would bring affliction to a woman, her husband can confirm or nullify. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking for verse 15. If he should nullify them after he has heard them, then he will bear her iniquity. And it is interesting to me that it is not just, it's not just that he has the authorization to nullify or allow to go through, but the burden is on him 
um, and that he is respons- held responsible for her actions. Um, and again, it's just uh, very different culturally thinking than modern thinking um, where someone is responsible for another person, um, especially in the husband-wife relationship. So um, again, just something to to add a little extra meditation time on, I think. So verse 16 wraps up this chapter, the statutes of the Lord that the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, the uh, These are all relating to a man and his wife or, or a daughter and his, uh, her father, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, um, and concludes that section. And then verse 30, or excuse me, chapter 31, we're going to transition into uh, a, a very different topic. So this whole uh, chapter, I feel like, does very well in kind of sectioning off basically one topic of dealing with vows, and particularly uh, women making vows. So mm-hmm. um, observations that y'all had from chapter 31 before I bring out any questions, or chapter 30 before I bring out any questions. Well, I have one. Sure. <clears throat> um, since the husband or the father is the head of the house then anything that their wife or daughter pledges to do is also going to affect him right and so it is it's only right that he has the right as head of the house to you know um to concur with that or to override it yeah Mm -hmm. very good point elizabeth did you have something you wanted to pull from there yeah and I really thought it was interesting how in verse 6 it includes vows and mine says thoughtless utterances. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're talking about kind of this idea of um, this being a protection for women, especially if they are not informed very well or maybe they're doing this rashly that they do have this protection of their husband or their father to say, hey, you might want to think about that another minute and maybe not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did also really like the point that um, Summer that you made that has now escaped my memory. <laughs> um, oh, oh, about the, the husband, the the burden being on him if he says, no, you're not going to fulfill this vow, how mm-hmm. he, is, he is responsible for that. And I think maybe the possible point of that is to just kind of guide everyone towards being more thoughtful about the things that they promise and then the responsibility to keep those promises. Mm-hmm. Well, and along that lines, it just, it, we are so, I don't want to say programmed, but um, we are so geared in in our particular modern society to think individualism, individualism, individuals, to the point that you, you forget your actions have consequences on your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, some people would look at, you know, like Asian cultures, for example, and go to a fault, you know, that they, oh, shame on the family and how horrible it is, you know, and I'm not, I'm not making a, uh, you know, kind of a character, you know, uh, assessment here. But what I am saying is, you know, we we look at that and go, well, no, they need to be individual. And but God so often said has has pointed out, I've set up the family for the purpose of you understanding that you do 
affect those around you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, later the church, you know, same thing. It's not just you. And you need to think outside of just how things affect you because that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I appreciate you bringing that out because that is, it is just, it is aggravating to see if we're not, if, if we're not careful, we're going to think in modern context of, well, hold on, individual, like I, I stand alone. I, I stand for myself and I fall for myself. Well, no, God says that what you do does affect those around you and you need to be cognizant of that. So anyway, Sherry, were there, oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. Did you have I did have like one more thing yeah. that I forgot to mention. I like the placement of this just a couple chapters after the affair of the daughters of Zalafahad, mm-hmm. um, where that is also a situation where it, it is explicitly showing that women are being protected and this is not something that's meant to degrade women or keep them down or whatever, but they're being given like property and um, protections from kind of their own stupidity sometimes mm-hmm. um, I think just the placement of it is really interesting Sorry. yeah and I, I do think there is something helpful in that for us as women you know like you're you know to say we can be stupid that is possible you know like it's not it's not just the men who do dumb things we you know are very capable of getting ourselves in a lot of fixes and for us to act otherwise it just seems foolish so mm-hmm. Anyway, Sherry, did you have anything else um, from that? Before the only we... other thing I wanted to bring out was that um, the emphasis here is on the husband and or father. It, uh, the emphasis is on if on the day that he hears it. Um, so it's not a thing that he can uh, like hear about it when it happens and then, you know, down the road, he's like, oh yeah, that was kind of a bad idea. Maybe, maybe I should. Um, it's like, no, if you agree to it at the time, then you're in. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're going to disagree with this, then you need to do it up front. Right. Because not saying anything about it at the time, at the time you hear of it, and it may be that you don't hear about it until a week later or whatever, at, as soon as possible, mm-hmm. you need to make a judgment. And whatever judgment you make at the time is binding. And... So you can't like, you can't go after the fact and say, once you've figured out what the consequences are, oh yeah, bad idea, shouldn't have done that, going back, changing Mm -hmm. it. You can't do that. You have to like actually, just like she has, she's bound by what she says. If you agree with it, then you're bound as well. Right. Yeah. And then that brings me back to Proverbs. That's kind of where my daily reading is right now of the importance of you need wisdom, seek it out to make sure you have it. And, you know, and, and you talking through that does make me think the men in particular, the husbands and fathers really need, desperately need that mm-hmm. so that they can have the foresight of where that's going, mm-hmm. not just well, maybe this will turn out okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then if it so, doesn't, then after the fact we can right. Then go we got to deal on. with it. Yeah, so very, very good points. Appreciate that. Okay, um, chapter thirty-one. Then uh, Elizabeth, do you mind walking us through the narrative there, and then we'll pull out our observations from sure. that chapter. Mm-hmm. Alright, so in chapter 31, we have another one of these like breaks that we've been talking about, where it says the Lord spoke to Moses saying. And he tells them that they need to avenge themselves on the the Midianites. And so 
it says later in the chapter, but just kind of as context, when we're talking about chapter 25, mm-hmm. where um, after Balaam has not cursed the Israelites, he still gives some advice to the Midianites on how to take them down, and that little vice is um, idolatry. So in chapter 25, just kind of as context, they're worshiping Baal at Peor, um, or Baal of Peor, and that causes like a plague among the people. Um, So in response to that, God tells Moses that the Israelites need to avenge themselves on Midian. So they go and they round up a thousand people from each tribe, so you have a 12,000 man army. And they go and they kill every man from the Midianites. And um, they kill all the kings. And it also specifically mentions that they killed Balaam, who's kind of the reason they have to avenge themselves on the Midianites. Um, And they take all their stuff and they go back to the camp and they're like, yeah, we killed the Midianites. And then Moses and Eleazar come over and they're like, hey, you didn't. You left (laughs) all the women and children. Um, And... You might think, well, yeah, that's pretty customary. You kill the men and the women and children are pretty helpless. But Moses makes the point that it was a lot in a large part the women of Midian's fault for the Baal worship because they were coming in and kind of seducing them. If we talk about Phineas um, killing the Israelite man and the Midianite woman, that's how they're getting it in there. They're getting women to bring in the kind of false idols. So they have to go back and they kill all the women and all of the children except for the young girls, um, which in my understanding they're going to keep as like either adopted children or brides somehow absorb them into the Israelites. Um, And then later on, I guess we're down in verses 21, there's... That little section 21 through 24, the priest Eliezer is emphasizing what needs to be done with the material spoils, so like the metals and the fabrics and stuff. So anything that can pass through the fire, so like gold, silver, bronze, things that will melt, burn out the impurities, and still be the metals, those you burn up and refine. But then everything else that can't be passed through the fire you're going to wash it with water. And so there's this big emphasis on cleanliness, which kind of echoes back everything we talked about in like Leviticus. And then when it gets to dividing up the spoils, half goes to the warriors that fought and the other half goes to the people. And of the halves that each group gets, the warriors have a one out of every 500 tribute that goes to the Lord, and then the congregation, everyone that didn't fight, had a 1 in 50 tribute. Um, And then at the very end, the last thing that I thought was really cool was they did like a head count, the officers did, and it says there's not a man missing from us. So it's very clear that God is on their side and God is measuring out this judgment against the Midianites because the Israelites don't lose any people from among them and in return they're appointing a portion of it to God um 
so those were those are some of the big kind of plot points. I guess the other observations I had is that Moses, his first wife, Zipporah, was a Midianite. So I just thought that was interesting how there is some kind of interrelation with this group, but it's also very clear that they are leading the Israelites astray and therefore got to be wiped out. The other thing I noticed was more of a question because when it talks about the tribute, the portion that they are giving to the Lord, it also includes people. So I'm assuming that would mean the young girls that they took captive. I'm just kind of wondering what happens to them mm -hmm. if they're mm -hmm. being taken as tribute to the Lord. So I was hoping Sherry mm -hmm. might have some thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, that's, well, and I'm going to let, I'll let Sherry shine light on that if you, if you have something. I did ask Seth and he, his only thought was perhaps in the uh, service in the temple or Levites or something, but um, I don't know, but he didn't seem to know of a specific other text mm -hmm. to help, you know, explain that. But I don't know if you were able to look up. Yeah, um, so I, I'm kind of with Seth. I think that because the tribute was given to the Lord um, and to the Levites, and that would include the people. So I'm guessing um, that they were um, used in the service you know, the Levites would use them in the Lord's service. That's yeah. the only thing I can, that's the only thing I can think of that they would have, I mean, um, uh, they weren't, there was no human sacrifice, so that's out. Right. Um, but, I, so I think it's probably got something to do with maybe they just used them in, in their service to the Lord, or maybe the Levites used them as servants in their house, you know, right. I mean, that wouldn't be out of the question. Um, uh, it says it says that there was a portion given the portion from the warriors was given to the Lord mm -hmm. and then the per portion from the people was given to the Levites so I'm guessing that maybe those that served that were given to the Lord were used in the service of the temple and maybe those who were given to the Levites were used you know you know, the Levites <clears throat> took them on as either servants or or adopted them or mm -hmm. or you know used them in their service to the Lord as well. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Um, were there any other parts of thirty one that you wanted to pull out? Uh, just observations. Anything else before we? Um, just that um, it seems that the um, the warriors, particularly when they found. That this is in chapter thirty-one, right? Mm -hmm. When they found that they hadn't lost even one person mm -hmm. in battle, that's like almost unheard of. Right. <clears throat> I mean, it can it happens, but it, it, it's just almost unheard of. And mm -hmm. so they were so grateful that then they give. It seems to me like they're giving extra stuff. Yeah. Um, because they said um, it in verse forty-nine. Uh, your servants have counted the men of the war who are under our command, and there is not a man missing from us. Mm -hmm. And we have brought the Lord's offering, which each man found according uh, uh, articles of gold, armlets, bracelets, signet rings, earrings, beads, to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. So they're actually like atoning for their sins, mm -hmm. and they're using these uh, this 
um, this jewelry and and um, precious metals to and it seems to me like this is not a required offering right. it's just they're More just Thanksgiving. very thankful that all of them came back alive and mm-hmm. um, even though we're sinful people God has been with us and here we've been able to accomplish this great victory without losing anyone and so we're just very thankful for mm-hmm. that and so it seems like that was what that was for yeah and it I mean it's a seemingly a much smaller scale <clears throat> in one aspect but um, in another it just it does make me think so much of that picture of Noah and his family coming off the ark mm-hmm. and the first response is building an altar altar to offer thanks to God. I mean, and I, I can't imagine, I can't, yeah, I, I, there's no way I can put myself in those shoes of everyone is wiped out but us. And now we have been preserved. And the, the gratitude that comes from that, and, and like you were saying here, where you've got 12,000 men, right? Mm-hmm. It was 1,000 from each mm-hmm. um, tribe, 12,000, and not one was missing. And how each of those tribes individually would have, you know, just this wonderful response of them recognizing how um, precious that is and how amazing that is that God would preserve them that way. Um, so uh, I just think that is that is something worth taking note of, it, of because I know for myself, I, I'm so ashamed when I read that because, you know, there are so many times where I have been preserved and it has been obvious but is my first response thanksgiving to god or just whoo all right let's keep going you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. um so that i appreciate you bringing that out um anything else from chapter 31 from anyone that uh before we head into 32 and i just wanted to say also elizabeth thank you for running through all that narrative because I was tired just after reading it, and I thought, I think I'm going to get Elizabeth to walk through that <laughs> longer longer chapter for me. But you did a wonderful job. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. But anything else we wanted to pull out from here? Um, oh, there was one other thing I had, but did anybody else have something before I jump on that? And then we'll go to 32. Okay. I'm good. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so back in uh, verse 3, I just... Uh, Appreciated the wording here, and at least in my translation, it says, Moses spoke to the people, armed men from among from among you for the war to attack the Midianites and to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. Um, so, you know, you had already kind of said some about this, but, you know, Moses is, it's like we're getting to the end of Moses's life and the end of his purpose here as far as you know leading God's people and at this last you know battle that we see him involved in it is it is just such a good reminder of the humility of this man who says look we've got to go out and we've got to strike vengeance on God's behalf you know um, for their the whole Midian and I appreciate you bringing out that context of what that what that means um, and, and why he was vengeful um, toward them because of them playing the harlot. Um, but it's it just so, uh, may, again, makes me think uh, of another shortcoming of who am I avenging myself for, you know? Um, and am I only worked up 
when God has been, you know, mocked or whatever, or am I ready to go attack when I have the slightest bruising? So um, anyway, I just uh, appreciated that wording uh, here because um, I just think too often we aren't doing that, you know, that we're not, we aren't angry on God's behalf. You know, it's much more about us. So I might just mention one more thing. Yeah, sure. Because I was thinking about Elizabeth's comment about Moses being married to a Midianite woman. Um, I think that because there are like five kings that they conquer, the kings of Midian. Um, How I take this is with the Midianites and like with the Amalekites and and Ishmaelites. So they're like... There's not like a nation of Midian mm-hmm. or a nation of Amalek. They're just sort of people that live in that area yeah. because okay. there's five kings. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's one. So I'm guessing that, um, or this is the way I've always thought of it, that like um, Jethro's family, he was a priest of Midian, but it seems to me like he was a priest in Midian, not a priest of the Midianite nation. Okay. Um, because I don't think there was, because it's also, the Moabites are kind of mixed in here too. Right. Because Moab is where Balaam actually went. Right. So I don't think this is God's vengeance against all Midianites. I think it's against the Midianites in general who who, uh, who thwarted the Israelites and and right. cause them to sin. Um, so when you see Midianites later, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, well, I thought they, they killed them all. Out. Well, right. and the same thing with the Amalekites. They were supposed to kill them all, mm-hmm. and but then you see them later. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's because they were all nomadic tribes, and it's you can't get everybody. Right. And, and, or, and God doesn't really want to get everybody. It's just the ones who were actually guilty. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's probably, that's how I've taken um, the, the, the reference to, you know, Moses being married to a Midianite woman. Um, that, okay, but they're probably not part of this group that are Midianites mixed in with Moabites. Mm-hmm. The ones that are purposefully mm-hmm. going up against the Israelites. Right. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate you bringing out that distinction. That is helpful. Um, And that was something that I had a question about in my mind uh, where it's going through the five kings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also appreciated that, you know, the specificity, they also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with a sword. Yeah, and notice also Balaam wasn't from there, but he's still there. Yeah. So he must have decided, hey, these are my people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, let's see. I'm trying to look over and make sure there wasn't anything I looked over. There were just so many interesting parts to that uh, from a lot of different angles. But it, but especially uh, just some of the, the military stuff and just, anyway, stuff we don't have time. It's like ultra nerdy, but it's just, it is interesting uh, to see the details in that chapter in particular, I thought, um, with the parsing out of not only... How much of things came back, but uh, the one to fifty versus the one to five hundred mm-hmm. stood out, mm-hmm. and that was just really, really impressive, really interesting. Of you know, you know, those who go out, um, you really need to be rewarded for mm-hmm. for your work there. 
Um, oh, that was the other thing is just um, the fighting for the Lord or before the Lord, I think maybe was the the wording there. And I, again, it was just, it's the whole vernacular here is, oh, that's, we're coming up on that. I'm, Mm-hmm. Um, what is that called? Spoiler alert. Okay, 32. Um, Sherry, I'm going to have you walk through uh, this narrative for us, and then we'll pull our observations out. Okay, so now that they've conquered the entire eastern side of the, um, of the um, Jordan, mm-hmm. and uh, they're now ready to go in, uh, now the people... From Reuben and Gad. Now, the half tribe of Manasseh, half of the tribe of Manasseh, is mentioned later, but initially it's just Reuben and Gad. Um, they had a very great number of livestock, and they saw the land uh, of Jazer and the land of Gilead, and <clears throat> behold, the place was a place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses and Eleazar the priest, um, they mentioned all these little camp encampments, cities, whatever, uh, and they say it is a land for livestock, and we have livestock. And they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let the land be given to your servants for possession, and do not take us across the Jordan. Well, Moses, understandably, freaks out. Yeah. I mean, Moses (laughs) is like, seriously. Right. And so, um, which... I totally understand where Moses is coming from. And so he goes into this tirade and says, look, what happened at Kadesh Barnea? I was there. That was bad. No, this is the same thing. And look, look what happened. He's like, okay, what is wrong with you people? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and he's re- recognizing, I think, that most of them are younger so maybe they didn't remember what happened to right. Kadesh Barnea. So let me remind you what happened to Kadesh Barnea. Right. I have seen this movie before, and it does not end well. Right. And I totally sympathize with Moses here because I have been in those situations. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, uh, traumatized. Mm-hmm. And so then when it starts to look like this is happening again, you're like, uh-uh, no, we are not doing that. Right. And so that was Moses' reaction. And then I love in um, uh, verse 16, it says, They came near to him and said, (laughs) Okay, look, just hear us out. Just hear us out. They came near to him. They didn't stand and, you know, lob grenades. They came to him and said, Look, this, this, that's not, we understand that's what happened, but that's not what this is. Right. That's not what this is. We're not those people. This is what we're planning to do. We're going to go across the Jordan with our brethren, and but we're going to leave our families here and our livestock and not bring them across with us. Let them settle here. We will go across. We will go to battle. We will fight until the entire land is occupied. And then we will go back and take our inheritance on the east side. This isn't because we don't want to be with our brethren. This is because we think that this is a good area to spread out and and have a lot of grazing uh, area for our livestock. We have a lot. We have more livestock than the other tribes, and 
And so we just feel like this is sort of a practical way of doing it. We are not going to abandon the, the, um, our brethren, and we're not going to rebel and just refuse to go in. That's what they did. That's not what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so then Moses sort of calms down a little bit and is like, okay, but, and this goes back to, to the vows again. Like, okay, you're saying you're going to do this. So if you do, then yes, you can come back here and settle in this land with your families. If you don't, then you don't get this land and you're going you're gonna to be mixed in with the, the rest of the tribes on the other side. That's that's how it's going to have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and Moses says, if you will not do so, I love this verse, verse 23. If you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Mm-hmm. So Moses is like, you are not going to get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And no one does. You yeah. can't get away with anything. Um, and so then, so then, um, uh, so he reiterates this is what you're planning on doing. Okay, fine. Then, um, and then in verses 28 to 32, he talked with Joshua and Eleazar because he knows he's not going to go across. So he's like, okay, this is what they've said they are going to do. That's when when uh, Manasseh is first mentioned. And, um, and uh, footnote, it's not, Manasseh is not a half-tribe. Some people think Manasseh is a half-tribe because Manasseh and Ephraim were from Joseph. But this is half of the tribe of Manasseh, not right. the half-tribe of Manasseh. Right. Uh, because, and we see that because the other half of the tribe goes across. Right. So um, half of the tribe of Manasseh is mixed in here. That I, I don't know whether they saw that and said, hey, we'd like to do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it seems like that's kind of how how it plays out. And then, um, and then so Moses... Um, instruct uh, Joshua and Eleazar okay they've said they're going to do this so you make sure they actually do what they said mm-hmm. and um, and then if they do then they can come back and settle on this side if they don't then don't let them get away with it mm-hmm. uh, so then um, at, at, the, uh, at the end of the chapter um, verses um, uh, oh, let's see. Oh yeah. Okay. So at the end of the chapter, um, uh, it's mentioned uh, that that in verse I think it's verse thirty three that um, Manasseh is first mentioned, mm-hmm. and then um, and then towards the end um, it mentions all the cities that they either built or rebuilt because there were some cities already still there, um, and. Um, and then it also mentions that there were some other areas that hadn't been captured yet. So they do go ahead and capture those areas and um, take over those areas. And, and, then, and then the idea is that then they'll go across. When Joshua takes the people across, they're going to go across with, with Joshua and the, other, um, and the other people. And then they're going to come back later. Um, uh, but I, I just, the, what I got from this was just... Um, the, the, the reaction on both sides, um, I think is admirable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Moses's reaction 
is understandable and admirable because he's thinking, okay, we're not doing that again. Mm -hmm. And so he's jealous for the Lord because he's not going across anyway. So right. no skin off of his nose either way. Right. Um, but he's thinking, okay, we've done, we, we have wasted 40 years wandering around the wilderness and all of your fathers died mm -hmm. because of that. Let's not do that again. Right. That, that was not good. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so Moses is sort of is jealous for the Lord. He's, he's saying, okay, God is not going to be happy with you doing this because look what he did the last time. And, and, but the people's reaction is not to just go off in a huff. They come, they come and talk to Moses. They, they draw near to him and say, look, put their arm around him. Look, that's not what we're asking. That's not this. And we're not those people. Right. And, and then Moses, instead of, what he could have done, which was like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> which yeah. is what I've done in yeah. the past, which is what I've done in the past. When people say, look, this, that's, this isn't, this isn't the same thing. I know you're traumatized by that, but that's not what's going to happen here. My reaction a lot of times is to go prove it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Right. Um, uh, but Moses softens and, believes them I think he believes them I mean he's he's ask, asking them to like keep their word but he's also saying okay okay maybe you're right maybe maybe you know maybe I'm just traumatized by that maybe mm -hmm. maybe this is gonna work out okay mm -hmm. and so I just admire both sides of, the, of that situation and and uh, and Moses being patient enough with them to believe them and not to hold them to the sins of their fathers and say, okay, your fathers did this. So you're just going to be like your fathers. Yeah. And, so. and I, I appreciate what you're bringing out in this and, and especially in the sense of, uh, I'm looking at, at him and, and it seems like every, everything about Moses when he is talking to the people, it is very personal with him mm -hmm. from the sense of he is doing a thing for God and it is very important to him that they listen and obey not him, but what he has said from God. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in terms of, you know, it's already been said before, he is, he is at the very end here. Mm -hmm. And all that he's walked through, all that he's mm -hmm. seen, all that he has, you know, endured with this people and to get to the, quote, finish line here <clears throat> and, and, and him to look back and go, don't you dare stop, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like that we have come too far, we have right. been through too much. This is, I, mm -mm, no, you know, like I'm not <laughs> on my watch. Like I, right. you know, and I, and I do, I mean, it, it makes me think in terms of the, how far, far short I am of that attitude of, you know, especially, you know, like, okay, I'm only at the, the 40 mark. All right. So hopefully I'm just halfway. Right. But this last half, you know, so to speak, if I have that of my life 
I, I do want to be more in this mindset of Moses of, well, I, I want this to count for something. You know, mm-hmm. I want all mm-hmm. of what I'm trying to do for God for there to be some kind of fruit. You know, do not, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, how Jesus is always talking about, look, you've got to bear fruit. And yes, that's in our own individual life. But I do think some of that is who have you nurtured? Who mm-hmm. have you, you know, mm-hmm. helped develop? Who have you helped to grow spiritually? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's just such a beautiful example of that, of it, the importance that he sees in, you know, not that his name is known after mm-hmm. he's dead, mm-hmm. but that after that he is dead and gone, that they are actually doing what God has required of them mm-hmm. and that his, quote, life is not in vain, you know, um, and I, you, you see that repeated in Joshua and it is mm-hmm. just a very beautiful trait mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Did you have a, anything else that you wanted to bring out in that chapter before I toss it around? Um, just the emphasis for me is on, um, the application to my life and, um, and of course, all these stories are, are about that. But um, the application to my life to be more like Moses, and to be more like the people of Gad and Reuben, uh, just to to uh, under, try to understand each other and where each other are coming from, and for for the the for Moses to like pull back and kind of just listen to what they have to say. And for them to draw near to Moses and reassure him that, okay, we're not going to do that. That's not the plan. And they did. They followed through exactly on their plan uh, on, on what they said they were going to do. Yeah. Um, and so just to be more like that instead of both sides going off in a huff and saying, okay, fine, we're staying here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. And Moses saying, no, you're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And that going real well. <laughs> yeah, not going. Yeah, and so I, I just think this is. I just think this is a really, really uh, beautiful story. Of, and and some people will say that Moses. Well, Moses um, didn't understand what they were saying. Um, I think he understood what they were saying. Um, I just think um, he was traumatized by things that had happened before, and that was such a traumatic experience. For him and for the rest of the people that lived at that time, that he just saw that and said, "Uh, no, no, no. This looks like that. It's not exactly that. It kind of looks like that, and I don't want anything that even looks like that." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but for him to like sort of soften and go, "Okay, okay, I see what you're saying," and and for him to trust them that they would do what they said they were going to do, uh, but but still putting putting things in place with Joshua and Eleazar to make sure that, okay, they said they were going to do this. You make sure they do. Right. Yeah. Elizabeth, what about you from that chapter? <clears throat> I, I don't think if I could say anything that would follow up with what y'all have already <laughs> said. I think the, the application was, was spot on. Um, 
I did think it was funny. This is like way off in left field. In verse 38, when it's listing all the cities they established or rebuilt, yeah. there's one called <laughs> Bale Mayon. Yes. And the parentheses, their names were changed. Like, we're not naming <laughs> Right. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I was trying to uh, see, like, down in the last couple of verses, you know, I looked up those and I was like, what great meaning. Oh, it's. The city of me, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't anything like he super. It Nova after yeah, his own name. after his own name, and yeah. then the have a Jer. I was like, oh, what does that mean? Oh, that means belongs to Jer. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so it's ours now, not Bales. <laughs> um, so yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, um, and there's one more thing I wanted to uh, walk through very quickly, uh, but before that, was there any other observations anybody wanted to pull from this last chapter? And this is kind of a sort of different thing that I'm just throwing here at the end. We'll just kind of try it out and see how it goes. But anything else from 32 that anybody uh, wanted to bring out that didn't already uh, have a chance to do that? Okay, the only other thing that I noticed was um, uh, what I was alluding to before and realized I was in the wrong chapter was Mm -hmm. verse 26, our children... Our wives, our flocks, and all of our livestock will be there in the city. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Verse 27, excuse me. But your servants will cross over. This is, of course, the um, the tribes talking mm-hmm. to Moses. Um, Every man armed for war to do battle in the Lord's presence, just mm-hmm. as my Lord said, in the Lord's presence. And again, it's just that language that I appreciate being used here by this tribe of we are fighting um with the Lord, in essence, like he is the one that will bring us victory. We're just, we will be there to make sure that uh, we are standing on his side, in essence. Uh, this was kind of what I took from that. But I just appreciated that in the sense of uh, just that thought of it's not us that is going to win the battle, um, but they're putting God at the forefront of it. And I just appreciate that thought. Um um, and then Sherry has already gone all over this, but do what you have said you would do. I just think that's such a uh, strong admonition. And just one quick point that I'll make on that is I struggle a lot of the times when I'm studying with someone, talking with somebody about, um, you know, some difficult decision, you know, and I am the kind of personality who wants everybody to be comfortable. I want, you know, everything to be okay and smooth and whatever. Um, but needing the balance of while yes people need a soft place to land I think more so presently and again I get on this kick on modern thinking or whatever but more so than ever I think right now what we need is is honesty um, and holding one another to um, you know what we've said we would do um, especially in terms of within the family of God and, you know, look, if you're not right before God, that really is not okay. You really do need to get that straight. And there, there's a problem until you do work that out and not easing up on that. Um, it's just, it's something that uh, it stood out to me because it's something that I, I want to get better, still lovingly, but very straightforwardly saying, this is not okay. You know, you've got to make sure you're right with God. Um, and again, if you said you're going to, be a follower of Christ. If you're going to be a Christian, you need to live that. So, um, and hopefully people will do the same for me. So, okay, very quickly here at the end, we're um, at the last few minutes. Um, 
and I'm throwing everybody under the bus. I mean, not under the bus. I wouldn't do that. I'm uh, putting you on the spot a little bit. And so um, if you want to pass, Sherry is already, she's checkmarked for this. But I did think it might be helpful for us just to sum up, like if there was one, you know, main thing that you want to take and meditate on from this section as a whole, not, you know, it have to be one from every chapter, um, just sharing, you know, what that one thing would be, uh, because that's, that's one of the really helpful things among others of reading the scriptures regularly is being able to hold up that mirror and say, oh, wow, okay, that's pretty big wart and I need to work on that. And I'm not asking for confession session or anything like that, but, um, but I will start off, um, since I'm putting us on the spot, but as I was kind of saying before, the vows is such a huge thing uh, that stands out to me. And I think that is because I'm so easily, I'm so quick to say, yes, I can do it or commit myself to this, that, or the other. And they seem like very mundane, not important things, but to be more careful that I hold myself accountable for everything that I say, yes, I will do it. And, to, and even to say, okay, let me consider before I answer, you know, I will do this thing. Um, and, and I know that may seem kind of trivial, but in reading through these things, it does impress upon me when we say we're going to do a thing, we, we really need to carry through with that. So just being more cautious about, um, you know, tacking something else onto my schedule or whatever, because... Um, it just seems like a very big deal that if I'm saying I'm going to do it, I ought to do it, um, even though this is Old Testament. So um, so that was, for me, what I want to do some more considering on, you know, in the upcoming week of, like, am I actually following through, that kind of thing. So, Elizabeth, or Sherry, um, I'm going to take yours as mm-hmm. mo- being more like Moses. <laughs> and, Elizabeth, do you have anything that stands out to you that you want to take? with you through the week yeah i think the the idea of your sin will find you out Mm -hmm. you can see it in every single one of these chapters so like if reuben and gad don't come to um help their brothers there's going to be consequences for that the midianites leading the people of israel astray there are consequences for that Mm -hmm. does it come five chapters later yes but there are still consequences Mm -hmm. Um, and even with the vows, if you make a vow and whoever, whatever headship you're under, if they hold you to that and it doesn't say, you know, if she breaks her vow, that's okay. You know, God's cool with it. No, it says that's going to be held against them. And if she breaks her vow because her husband says to, he's going to be accountable for it. So if someone's going to be accountable for vows being broken, so I think for me personally, I want to be more cognizant about like, even if I think what I'm doing isn't a big deal, if I am doing something wrong, even if no one knows, God's going to know and that's going to have consequences. That's very good. All right, Joe, was there anything that stood out to you? For Well, I might have said that too. That would probably be my first one. But yeah. also um, in this battle where none of the men were killed out of 12,000, um, with all the things we have going on in the world today, um, I think that you could feel like if you were doing right and fighting for the Lord, that no matter what happens, He's going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. He, He, um, 
is the Lord of the unlikely. Yeah. So Very somehow he'll work it out for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent thoughts to end on. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for your time and thank you for your comments and observations. Really enjoyed that section a lot and got, as always, got more out of it um, coming together with you ladies. And looking forward to next time when we should be ending up the book of numbers. Thanks so much.